You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Tony. I'm one of the leaders here at uh, Christian Life Church Hereford, part of the eldership team. Um, and it's uh, just always a privilege to come up and share what God has put on my heart. Um, and, and, and my prayer really is that God imparts something to us. Not me. I've got, in a sense, nothing to impart to you. Even my wisdom isn't very wise at times. But what I have is the love of God and the heart of God for you. And that's what I want to impart. That's what I believe what God wants to impart to you this morning. And um, I, want to, I want to start by, um, as you, as you I, I was going to sort of stand there and go, I've been on holiday, can't you tell? And then realise you've all had the same weather as me, even though I was in Cornwall and you were here, so you're probably as brown as I am, so that was a waste of time. But I was been, I've been on holiday, and um, when I used to go on holiday sometime uh, in the past, uh, one of the things I used to love about going on holiday was, um, would you believe, the shower? Because the shower we had at home was never particularly good. It was like a dribble. And so when you went away, you know, went to these Airbnb places, these beautiful power showers, yeah? So good. And um, you think, oh. So, yeah, you know, I used to enjoy going on holiday just to have a shower, which is a bit weird. But I thought one day I need to do something about our shower. So I got a, uh, I got a guy to come, and, and he put a pump on the shower, and um, yeah, you know, I've got a power shower now, yeah, so I don't have to go on holiday to have a decent shower anymore, I can have a really good uh, power shower um, using the shower that we've got, and I sort of thought about that, I thought, well, do you know what, it's a bit of a picture of my life, because before I became a Christian, I was okay, it was good, you know, it's fine. Um, some people may say that I was a bit of a dribble or a bit of a drip. But when I became a Christian, something happened. You see, it was like my power shower when it got converted to become a power shower. I got converted. When I got converted, when I became a Christian, it was like God attached a spiritual pump to my life. Yeah? Who's, got, who's had that spiritual pump attached to their life? Come on. Yeah? And you know what? Power. Power came. The day I became a Christian, something changed. Because God put something in me that gave me a power I never had before. And so not only did I receive the love of the fathers we've been singing about and hearing about and, and, and looking at, and not only... Um, have I got to know Jesus? But also, I've got to know the Holy Spirit. And that's who we are looking at um, over these next, and have been looking at over these next few weeks. The thing is about my shower, is that even though I've got this amazingly good pump now, every so often, it, the power seems to reduce again. It seems to get less and less and less. 
And it's only when I look at the head of the shower that I realize that what's happened is that over time, it's become clogged up. Yeah, did you get that? Or just mine? Just mine, thanks. You should use yours more often. Um, but it gets clogged up. Now, the pump hasn't changed. The water hasn't changed. What's changed is the power, it's the shower itself. It no longer allows the water to come through with the power that it had before. Yeah? So what's the solution? Descale it, clean it. Yeah, absolutely. Clean it. Clean the shower head. And you find the power comes back. Now, there have been many times in my life that I've really walked closely with the Holy Spirit. I've really felt his presence, and I've known that power, his power in my life. I've seen the fruit of the Spirit. And I've seen the gifts of the Spirit work through me. And these have been amazing times of spiritual growth. Who's ever had that? Yeah? Okay. Do you know, I've also had times in my life, and I'm being very honest here, where it's not been the case. The fruit of the Spirit has been clearly lacking. I haven't seen the power of the Holy Spirit working through my life in the way that I did. And I'll be honest with you, at times I've been dry and feeling unfulfilled as a Christian. Does that echo with anyone here? Okay. You see, the thing is I could blame the church, as we often do. It's your fault. I could blame my circumstances. I could blame my situation, where I'm at in life, what's going on around me, the things that are crowding me, whatever it is. I could blame those. I could even blame God. But most of the time, I had to look at myself to see where the blame really lay. Because what it was, was often what came out of my heart was what was making the difference. So using that analogy of the shower, the shower head of my life, as it were, the place where the pure water of the spirit wants to flow in power had become clogged up with sin, bad attitudes, wrong thoughts. And over time, without me even realizing, I find that I'm not quite in the same place as I was with the Holy Spirit. The power just isn't there. Now, as a Christian and as Christians, we are called to be holy. Yeah? We are called to be holy vessels for the Holy Spirit to live, to reside, to make his dwelling. Now, back in the Old Testament, if you read Leviticus, it's full of laws and it's full of rituals. 
And it's full of things about how the Israelites had to cleanse themselves on the outside in order that God could live with them, amongst them, whether it be in the tent of meeting, whether it would be in the temple. But it was a sign. It was showing the people, you have to be holy. There's something you have to do in order for me, a holy God, to live amongst you. Now, thank God today, we don't have those same regulations. But the purpose of it was to show the people that they needed to be holy. It says in Leviticus, it says, I am the Lord your God. That should come up there, yeah. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. You see, we can't get away from the fact, and it's great, you know, what we know, the love of God and, and how merciful and wonderful and graceful he is and, and all these things. But we also have to remember he is a holy God. And therefore, anything that comes into his presence, including you and me, have to be holy. We cannot come into the presence of God if we are not holy. It just won't happen. And that is why Peter... In one of his letters, he quotes this. He says, this is now the church. So this is really effectively you and me. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. The thing is, we can't make ourselves holy. We can never do enough to become the holy vessel that God wants us to be in order for him to reside in our lives. Paul says this, he says, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Why was he saying that? Because he was saying it's not what happens goes in, it's what comes out. Yeah? Yeah? It's what comes out. The regulations of Leviticus aren't there anymore. They don't apply anymore. But we are called to be a holy people. And holy means set apart. And many, I'm sure you know this. It's nothing new to us. We've been set apart. The day I became a Christian, I was set apart to be holy. So I became holy, set apart, so I could be holy. It says in Hebrews 10, by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus did it, we didn't. And that's always important to remember. We cannot do it. Only Jesus. So he is the one through his sacrifice on the cross that made us 
everyone who accepts him, the day we say yes, we become a holy person, a holy people. But it also says in Hebrews 10, it says, for by one sacrifice, that same sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Whoa, come on, what's going on here? He's made us perfect, he's made us holy, but we're still being made holy. That's one of those weird things we find hard to get over in our heads, don't we? Yeah? It's like, we are already holy, but we're still being made holy. There is a process that goes on in our life, even though it's like we've been set apart to become a holy vessel, but we still have to, in a sense, continuously have that vessel cleaned. There was a, an illustration, I, I, I haven't written it down here, but it's an illustration of a, um, and, and any of you are parents who've got, you know, young children, uh, or even older children, um, you know, you, 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 you put them in a, in a nice white shirt in the morning and say, there you go, nice and clean, keep it clean. All right? Any parent that expects that child to return in the afternoon or in the evening and find that shirt in the same state that it was when, it was, when they left is deluded, deluded. It ain't going to happen, is it? They're not going to do it on purpose. They don't go out and they go, right, okay, I'm going to make it dirty. It's just life. Just doing stuff just makes it dirty. So what's going to happen? It needs cleaning again. There is a process of continually needing to be clean. So what does this mean to clean ourselves, to, to, to get ourselves holy? Well, basically, it's repenting of the sin that has got us unclean in the first place. That's what it is. That's what we are being asked to do. So that there is nothing that gets in the way of the fullness of the Spirit working through our lives, through my life and through your life. You know, Hannah, when she was praying earlier, said, you know, he wants to, he, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, they want to be, they want to work in us in power and we can't do life without him. Wrote it down. We can't do life without him. If we think we can do life without the Holy Spirit, we are deluded. We cannot do life without the Holy Spirit. You see, when we first became a Christian, when we first accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we were filled with the Spirit. At that point, I believe we were filled. I was filled. You were filled. At that very point. At that very point, you had access to the power of the Spirit working in your life and through your life. The fullness, not part of it, not a bit of it, you've learned a bit more. All of it, at that point, was available to you and available to me. But I know for me, often it's the daily stuff. It's the daily actions. It's the daily thoughts. It's the daily things. The things I just do because I'm still human. I still have humanity. I'm still, in a way, living in a, in a, in a natural world. I'm living in a natural world. 
And so stuff just happens, you know. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going on this journey. I really am going on this journey. When we looked at this whole series, and I begin to sort of t- look at the Holy Spirit again and began to sort of read about him and to pray um, with him, um, I, I, I found that I was getting, I was realizing just how much every day things happen in my life that separate us. And therefore, the power that comes with that separation diminishes. See, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We were made holy through the Spirit of God. But now we have to live differently. I have to live differently. But I'll have to live differently because the Holy Spirit wants to know me, wants a relationship with me. Just as the Father does, just as Jesus Christ the Son does. Singing about the Father's Father's love. Let's not forget the Holy Spirit loves us as much as the Father. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he loves you and me as much as the Father loves you and me and as much as Jesus Christ the Son loves you and me. Which is why... When Paul talks about this, he uses a rather interesting word. He says this in Ephesians 4, verse 30. He warns the church that they are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve? What is that all about? Why did he use the word grieve? The reason he used the word grieve is because grieve is a love word. It reveals just how much the Holy Spirit loves you and loves me. You see, when somebody does something against us, or you see something on TV um, that's that's not particularly nice, it might anger you. You might feel sad, but you don't necessarily grieve. Grief and grieving is connected with somebody you love. So when Paul was talking about grieving the spirit, it's because the spirit loves us so much. When we do something against him, he grieves. guy called Charles Spurgeon, many of you know him, you know, stuff, you know, he's written in in, in the past. He said this about the word grieve. There is something very touching in this admonition. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. It does not say, do not make him angry. 
A more delicate and tender term is used, grieve him not. For grief is a sweet combination of anger and love. It is anger, but the gall is taken from it. Love sweetens the anger and turns the edge of it, not against the person, but against the offence. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? Come on. He's angry at the offence, but boy, he loves the person. So again, you know, as a parent, if, if um, you found that there was some money that was um, taken from your wallet or your purse, yeah? Now, if, you, if it was somebody you didn't know, you'd be just downright angry, wouldn't you? But if you knew it was your own child, wouldn't that grieve you? Isn't that a different attitude? Because you love that child. And that's what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit. So how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, again, a lot of this is probably obvious stuff, but I just want to go through some of the things biblically that it says about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. In Proverbs 6, it says this. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven. That's almost like a Monty Python sketch, isn't there? Anyway, I'm going to go, sorry, I won't go into that. Six things the Lord detests. Somebody said, no, hold on. Seven things the Lord detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent. A heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. Boy, there's some stuff there. Thinking about the one about murdering, I'm not into that one, but what about sowing discord in your family? Ooh. Might do it. What about saying something against somebody that isn't true? False witness. What about lying? There are lots of things, little things, not big, but they're little things. Anyway, Paul gives us plenty of ways in which we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And um, it comes from that whole uh, chapter in Ephesians that I'm talking about, where it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read the message version, because I quite like it sometimes, to sort of really get a sort of slightly different taste of how it, you know, what, 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 what's going on here. So it says, this is the message version of uh, Ephesians 4 verses 25 to 32, it says this. What this adds up to, then, is this. And again, think about, do I do any of this? Does any of this resonate with me? Does with me. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbour the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. That's one I've got to keep making a note of for myself. You do well to be angry. Oh, sorry. No. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you use to make ends meet by stealing? There are many ways we can steal. Paperclip. Paper from the copier. Many ways we can steal. 
Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. And it's not about finding a list of stuff. It's about recognising that there are things that we do every day that just separate us from the power of the Spirit, which is what we all want to live in. And so we can look at it another way. We could look at it and say, well, you know, um, sometimes it's the character of the Spirit and what he is as a person. And if we do things against that character then again, we can grieve him. So first one, he's the spirit of truth. Yeah? So anything that goes against that, so if you look there, it says he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So if we do anything that is false, anything that's deceitful, anything that is hypocritical, well, that's going to grieve him because he leads us, he wants to lead us into all truth. He's the spirit of grace. In Hebrews 10, talks about him being the spirit of grace. So if we are ungracious, if we are um, hard or bitter or malicious or unforgiving or unloving, and you know what, over the years, that's the way I've been at times. And I recognize it in myself. Even driving in a car and somebody cuts you up, yeah. Bless him, my Lord. But I've got to change the attitude because it's too quick for me to do the opposite. Does that make sense? I am too quick to react the wrong way. And what I'm finding is that I'm recognizing that because I'm daily trying to say, oh, Holy Spirit, just help me here. And then I find the opposite of that comes my way. And the, 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 the final one, Holiness, spirit of holiness, the spirit of holiness. So anything that is unclean, anything that is defiling, anything that degrades, anything that, yeah, you know, you know what I mean, just gets us dirty. It's going to grieve him. So all of these things can happen, and they do on a daily basis, certainly do for me, not all of them at the same time, not that bad. But that's the journey I'm on. I'm recognizing that just the, the little thoughts, the things here and there. And it's not about looking for it and finding it and digging deep. Oh, there's one there. It's about recognizing it every day. Oh, Lord, I've just done that again. So sorry. Help me here. Yeah? And that's what it is. That, that, and that's the close relationship. That's the, oh, thank you. That's what I want. Yeah, move on. Come on. You're forgiven.
And what you find happens is that when you do that, instead of those things coming into your life, the fruit of the Spirit starts to come. And that's what we want to see. We want people to see. So what happens when we grieve the Spirit? What goes on? Well, I've been reading a book about the Holy Spirit by Billy Graham. And uh, he says this about grieving the Spirit. Ordinarily, he delights to take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to reveal Jesus. He wants to reveal the love of God. He wants to reveal wisdom. He wants to, you know, he wants to show us all these things. When we grieve him, sorry, he also imparts joy, peace, and gladness of heart. When we grieve him, this ministry is suspended. It is withdrawn, not stopped. The power reduces. That's what's going on here. In effect, the power of the Spirit in our life reduces. What does that mean? I need a cleanup. Repentance and forgiveness brings restoration of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our life. We do not lose him. Okay? It says this, some, just some very simple scriptures here. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. He's with us. He will abide with you forever. These are promises we get and then think, think oh, but it doesn't apply to the Holy Spirit. Yes, it does. He is with us forever. Never leave you nor forsake you. Well, I know Jesus said that. Then he sent his Holy Spirit, who would never leave us or forsake us. So he will not leave us. Whatever we do, even if you exceed the 70-mile speed limit on the motorway, you won't decide to go, I'm going. I'll come back when he slows down. That's not the way he works. Anyone, I'm sure you've all watched it, watched the old Disney classic Pinocchio. Yeah? And, and Jiminy Cricket. Well, Jiminy Cricket represents the conscience of Pinocchio, yeah? And, and he sort of often, he was either on his shoulder and he was talking in his ear and stuff. And, and, and there are actually a couple of times in the film, I think in the book as well, where Jiminy Cricket leaves Pinocchio because Pinocchio is choosing to do or go down a path that he doesn't agree with. And that used to be perhaps back in the day when I was a very young Christian. I, I could sort of see that. Well, yeah, you know, when I'm not doing what I should be, I'm off. Holy Spirit, he's gone. Yeah? Once I'm back on track, Holy Spirit, okay, yeah, we're back on, we're back together again. That's not the way he works. You know, in a sense, he stays with us no matter how rough the journey no matter how hard it is, no matter what we're doing, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how I'm behaving or reacting, he sticks it out. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we know we always have him with us. But it does mean we can lose the power that he wants to work through us. It can mean we lose a sense of his presence, that felt presence of the Holy Spirit, his leading when we grieve him. We can feel more distant when that happens. But when we have the Holy Spirit in close relationship daily, 
He changes the way we live. It says in, I've written down the quote, it says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Instead, we find the fruit of the Spirit comes through our lives. And we can't make the fruit happen either. Uh, give me some fruit. Can you imagine a vine? Going, uh. If you ask the vine, how do you produce fruits? No idea. I've got no idea how it happens. But what I do know is I'm attached to the main vine, which is Jesus. That's all we've got to be. It's that close relationship. That's what it's all about. You see, nothing's changed. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. The water hasn't changed. The power hasn't changed. What's changed is me. Okay? The ability of the shower head to allow the power to work through my life when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, it's one of those, I don't know how many of you have actually ever heard anybody share on the grieving the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you, I've not heard it very much, if at all. Grieving the Holy Spirit. So really, you know, attended to Tim, and he went, oh, that's going to be an exciting one then, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Love you, mate. But you don't necessarily hear grieving the Spirit. You, yeah? Well, yesterday, at the training for the CFAN, for the Christ for All Nations, the uh, workshop training on um, evangelism. The main guy, who was a guy called Luke, he stood up here and he was sharing stuff. And, things. and one of the things he said, which was just in my own heart, he, he said, he talked about a time, and he'd been, he'd been out on the streets loads, he was uh, getting, you know, been used to evangelizing and getting out and talking to people. And he said he had a time, he just felt flat and he felt powerless. And as he prayed about it, the Holy Spirit dropped this word into him and said, you have no unction. And he went, didn't even know what the word meant. He had to look it up. Unction. Well, that's a strange word, isn't it? Unction. When he looked it up, it was anointing. He didn't have the anointing. But God had put in and said, you haven't got the anointing. And this is what he said. He said, this is, I wrote it down. I can find it. I didn't want to count the cost of grieving the Holy Spirit. He'd said that yesterday. I've never heard anybody talk about that before. But he was saying that he felt powerless because he recognized he was walking and grieving the Holy Spirit. And so he knew he had to deal with stuff in his life, sin, whatever it was, so that the anointing could flow. I thought, yeah, amen! So I think we need to listen to this. Okay, I think it's something that God just wants us, wants us to know, to hear, and to really lay hold of. I believe the Spirit really wants to do a work in us in order to see us move in the power uh, that he wants us to move in, that he wants us to know the ministry that he wants us to walk in. I just really say and believe that's what he wants to do. We just want to know about him. He wants to impart things to us and he wants to, us to know what it means to really be in close relationship with him. And I want that. I want, and I'm standing up here going, I, I haven't got it all. I want that. God, I want that. 
Do you want that? Yeah? Don't sound convinced. You want that? Come on. We need to be the people. We are the people set apart to be holy vessels. There is no one else who's going to do that job. There is no one else. We are called to be a holy vessel for the Holy Spirit to move in and through. I'm now going to talk about something that I've never heard anyone talk about, just to bring it to a conclusion, because it's all connected. And this all came about from a conversation I had with um, one of the congregation from Lempster Church uh, when we had the Father Heart Conference. We were out there having lunch, and um, we're talking away about just stuff, and she goes, so, can you answer me this then? What's the unpardonable sin? What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? I've been pondering that, she said, and I'm thinking, great, thanks. I don't really know. I was honest. I'm not sure, but I think it's good to find out. And I I thought, well, I've never really heard anyone share about this. No one's actually mentioned it. And you read it and go, pass over that one. The unpardonable sin, blaspheming the Spirit. But if you've read it, this is what it says. I'm just going to go on to this. It says, um, it's mentioned in Mark 3 and it's mentioned in Matthew 12. But it says, I tell you the truth. There we go. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. I thought everyone could be forgiven and everyone had the opportunity to come to know Jesus. Yeah? But he's talking to the religious leaders at the time. After he had just performed a miracle where he was casting out demons, okay, in the name of the Lord. And they said, oh, you're doing it in the name of Satan. And he went, whoa, hold on. You can see the power of God at work. You can see the spirit is testifying that I am the son. And you can see that God is doing a job here. And you're twisting it around and saying, actually, it's the devil. It's Satan. You're saying evil is good. Good is evil. And that's what he was basically saying. He said, well, guys, if you keep on doing that, if your hearts are so hard that you see that whenever you see God on the move, whenever you see the Holy Spirit testifying to me and you choose to turn it, you choose to not accept it to the point where you're never going to change your heart, well, that's, that's it. The good news is, for all of you thinking, have I ever done that? Could I ever do that? Could I ever say something or do something that's actually the unpardonable sin? The answer is no, you can't. Relax. Why can't you? Because for a start, if you're worried about it, it means there's always the opportunity for you to be forgiven. Yes? Your heart isn't hardened. If you are worried and think, have I done it? The answer is no, you haven't. Because there's something in your heart that says, you're testifying that the Holy Spirit can do something. But there may be people, and we don't know who they are, who at some point, who have said, nah, 
and will continue to say nah until the end of days. It's a quote here from um, a book I was reading about it, and it said this. I can find it. To commit this sin, one must consciously, persistently, deliberately, and maliciously reject the testimony of the Spirit to the deity and saving power of the Lord Jesus. So I just thought I'd lay that one to rest. All right? So if anybody ever asks you now, you can say you're okay. If you're worried about it, you haven't done it, not a problem. Okay? But you can be rest assured that you today are totally and unconditionally loved by the Father. Shown through the death, the life and death of Jesus and affirmed by the witness of the Holy Spirit who chooses to live in your life and my life so that we can know the fullness of all that God has for us. So I know for myself that, like I said, every day there are attitudes and thoughts, there are things that I do that just get in the way. And what I've got to do, what I'm learning to do, you know, I do it on the golf course when I hit, I was playing Bashley the other day, you know, and I hit a golf thing, and, you know, and the club goes further than the ball. You've done that. But then there are times I go, and I've got to learn, no, Lord, come on, help me here. And it's just a, to say, it's just this daily thing of, let's just, let's just work together in communion. Let's just be together. Help me, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, just help me on that one. Then rather than have anger, I start to get peace. My attitude changes and the fruit of the Spirit starts to come. And that's what I want. That's what I want. I'm sure that's what you want. You've said so. So, going back to the analogy of the power shower, I don't want to be a drip. I want to be a power shower. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And I hope you do too. Can I ask you to stand with me, please? This is very much a personal journey. And you're all on a journey. I'm on a journey. And it's that you know, daily journey with God. Daily journey with learning about him and being with him and experiencing him in all his fullness. And so only you know what's in your life. Well, no, only you and God knows what's in your life that's clogging up your shower head right now. Only you know the attitudes, the thoughts, the deeds, the actions, the things that you do on a daily basis. You think, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I that needs to change, but I need help, Lord. And the love, of, the love of God is such that he will never stop saying, okay, let's do it. He's never going to give up. So I'm just going to pray. I just want you to, if, if you feel, yeah, I just want to, I want, I want to know, and I want uh, 
to receive more and I want more power in my life and I want uh, a greater, uh, closer relationship with the Holy Spirit, then just put your hand out because it, it's, it's not me. It's not, what, in a sense, what I've shared. It's what the Holy Spirit wants to do and minister amongst us right now. Can I ask the musicians if they could just come up? That would be great, thanks. I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to each one of us right now those little things that clog up the shower head of our life. We want to, we want to know you more. We want, you, we want your power working through us, working in us. We want to see you revealed even more in all we do and who we are. Help us, Lord, now but also, you know, every day. Show us how we can just walk closer with you. How we can just have that everyday, ongoing dialogue with you, Holy Spirit. Forgive us where we've just not spoken to you. Forgive us when we've done stuff and realized and, and, and thought, well, it doesn't matter. We want to be in close, deep relationship with you, Lord. Help us. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.